Hey everyone, this is Jack Morrissey. Welcome to episode 48 of Team Jack. Episode 48, Eric Odom. That's your cue. Yep. How profound. <laughs> we're, off, <laughs> be, we're off and rolling. Gonna be Can you see why we named the episode after him? He's just a font of entertainment. It's just uh, pure charisma, 24-7. <laughs> also special guest star this week, Hervé Villachet. Hello. <laughs> much better. Back after how many... I would many... like to suggest a new title for this show. <laughs> Hervé Villachet. <laughs> or... Tattoo. Or tattoo. <laughs> I got, I got a plane here from the afterlife because I hung myself. He did, did he? Oh my god. <laughs> and we're off and running. And it's, it's a Tuesday morning at like 11.30 and... It's not really, that wasn't... We're already really laughing at someone's suicide, at the suicide of a little person, no less. I... Feel it's terrible. all uphill from here. But uh, speaking of Greg Yolen, everyone, Greg Yolen is back, and he know he has not forgotten how to make an entrance. Let's rename the show. <laughs> <laughs> um, what episode is this? It's episode uh, forty-eight, motherfucker. Dude, I think the last time I was here was episode like thirteen. Yeah, that's pretty much true. <laughs> you guys, remember you guys remember when you were a co-host? The echo chamber. Remember when you were a co-host? Uh, I do. Yeah. So much has happened since then. Now you're just a guest. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> um, some boilerplate or heavy lifting up front before we get rolling on this. This, in a way, is sort of a continuation of what was started on episode 39 of Team Jack. That episode title is Nomads. Um, for any listening twihards, I recommend that you get the episode, uh, just search iTunes. It'll come right up as, uh, teamjacksmodcast.com, episode 39, Nomads, jump, literally jump 52 minutes into that episode, uh, to start listening to the Twilight related con- uh, content, which, uh, starts with and covers, uh, Eric's mom and Eric's future documentary project, which is titled Eric. You're missing every cue today. My future documentary. You're Eric. Yeah. You you are the title of this episode. How are you? (laughs) Man, you are pulling a Barack Obama right now. (laughs) You are doing, sir. I don't know what's happening. My mom, the Twihard. You don't remember making that joke? Not at all. Oh, wow. No, I blacked out during the whole podcast. This is a shit show. It's already a shit show. Exactly. Blacked out during the whole thing. <laughs> you are going to take $716 billion out of Medicare. <laughs> <laughs> Silence. Um, yeah, subjects, Twilight-related subjects, including but not limited to Eric's mom, who is an OG Twihard. Uh, who provided Eric's very first exposure to the franchise. Um, A uh, quick debate as to whether Eric's mom uh, is Team Edward or Team Peter. Matt Cohen hoping that she's Team Peter for all the wrong reasons. You'll have to listen in to figure out what those (laughs) reasons are. Uh, Matt clearly doesn't remember that conversation oh, either. Stuff covered in that podcast. Well, this is almost this is one of our longest episodes. It was like a two-hour episode. We also covered Bill's process of getting involved with Breaking Dawn, what attracted him to it, how it all happened, and then Eric's process of getting seen by Deborah Zane, the casting director, 
how he prepared for the audition, how he actually landed the role. Then Eric takes you through the character of Peter, Peter's origin story, the synchronicity of Eric as a Southerner playing Peter, who is a Southerner. Eric's uh, telling his mom, the Twihard, that he'd got the role uh, and that he was bringing her out for the premiere, which is in al- almost a month's time. By the way, I'm so sorry to hear that your mother's head exploded. That was a tragedy it's and a horrible, medical anomaly. Horrible times, but what a way to go. Uh, truly. To have your head explode at such good news. It's, it's, <laughs> and to bring, and to keep her body on ice perfectly preserved so that you could fulfill your promise of having her at the premiere. She'll be the most beautiful headless woman there. And the smelliest. <laughs> <laughs> but let's just say that after this uh, installment of Breaking Dawn, she will not be the only headless person. And that's where it should stop. Uh, nobody gets their head cut off in Twilight, Matt Cohen. They we get their heads pulled off. Yanked by a baby? Stop. <laughs> <laughs> Subjects covered also included, but are not limited to, um, the near miss of the Peter character not being featured in David Slade's film adaptation of Stephanie Meyer's Eclipse. Eric, uh, reading Breaking Dawn and reading Eclipse to prepare to uh, go perform the part in Baton Rouge and then Vancouver. Uh, and then we jumped forward to Eric's experience of being uh, in the glare of the lights on stage in Hall H at San Diego Comic-Con, introduced to uh, an extremely pronounced reaction from the audience that uh, startled and bewildered young Robert Pattinson. Uh, who plays Edward Cullen. So if you're interested in any and all of those subjects, which are sort of act one of Eric's Twilight experience, again, iTunes, Team Jack, Smodcast.com, episode 39, titled Nomads. Jump 52 minutes into that episode and listen from there on out. Welcome to episode 48, Eric Odom. Those were the minutes from last time. Exactly. (laughs) This meeting is now... (laughs) <laughs> Call to order. Well, my work, my uh, work is done because in between landing the part of Peter and then preparing to doing your doing the required reading and preparing to go to Baton Rouge, um, and then your experience being introduced on stage is the actual production of the yep. movie. Which young Greg Yolan was also present for, present in some we were there, former we were, fashion. We were all there. And so all those months spent in Baton Rouge and then, uh, the last bit spent in Vancouver. And we should not talk about what the Vancouver beat was because nobody knows. <laughs> um, I wasn't there for, I was there for the Vancouver beat. I was not there for any of the Baton Rouge beats. So basically the meat and potatoes of this episode is on YouTube. Love the, Bat- the Baton Rouge experience. Mm-hmm. Actual production. And then we'll circle back around to um, the narcissistic uh, buffet of last Friday when Eric's character art was finally revealed online. Mm. Oh, yeah. It was delicious. So good. Long time coming. With his uh, Fresh Face Fridays interview at Examiner at, by Amanda Bell. Examiner.com slash Twilight? I don't know. Think so. I think so. Yeah. Anyway, so how was Baton Rouge, guys? Oh well, it was great. First off, <laughs> Christian Serratos. Oh, Christian Serratos. 
<laughs> she's not a girl. <laughs> she is a doll. Uh, I, I loved Baton Rouge. Yeah. I have to say, I was a big fan of it. Uh, we lived in an area called Perkins Row, which you- probably, probably doesn't exist anymore. If I had to take a guess, it probably, it was like a shopping mall. With uh, residences there, it was it was like the Grove here in Los Angeles, done Baton Rouge style, but sort of um, mixed use project. Yeah, live above a Gap or live above a Banana Republic, as Bill Condon did. Well, as soon as you guys got in there too, like the Christmas music started going twenty four seven. Twenty four seven piped in Christmas music. I had to go into the rental office, and you know, there people down south are very polite. I am from a place that is not polite. And so I was. That like, would be New Haven, like, Connecticut, folks. Connecticut. The, the music off. Turn it off. And he's like, "Well, I'm sorry. It's the holiday season. We can't just turn it off." And I and I had to play be like, "I am Jewish. I am Jewish, and I'm waking up every morning at 8 a.m. to jingle bells playing outside my window." Don't make me call the Anti-Defamation League, and that, that scares them off. <laughs> because we all know that Jingle Bells is singularly the most anti-Semitic of all the it Christmas is, carols absolutely. in the Catholic well, canon. How do, you think they made, how do you think they made those bells? It's <laughs> Yeah. The same way they made their lampshades. Oh, we're just hitting beats. Um, this, this episode is so filthy. Um, I can't believe it's again. It's being recorded. I loved. I loved. At Baton not Rouge. even eleven o'clock in the morning. It was morning. great. Baton Rouge was great. Yeah. No. It was. Um. I mean, Louisiana in general is is great. Baton yeah. Rouge. Baton Rouge. I had never been down there. I'd been through New Orleans before. Baton Rouge was a lot smaller than I thought it was. You know, a lot of it is a college town for LSU. Right. You know. So which is. Could, Louisiana State University. Thank you. Go Tigers. That's what I do. Yeah, so I force was... explanations of things that some people might assume other people would know. So, Greg, you were over in Perkins Row. And yeah, and you were downtown. A lot of us were downtown, yeah. So we were down at the Hilton, the Hilton. down there. And the glamorous so, downtown Hilton. There were like 30 of us in that hotel. You know, 30 of the actors who came in. So All the witnesses. Yeah. Can I get a witness? There. Down in the lobby, Maybe you could get quite a few. Could. Um, there were a few fun nights out in uh, Baton Rouge, as I recall. I remember being thrown physically, personally, uh, ejected from a bar in Baton Rouge. Uh, I would like to hear Eric Odom tell that her, story. My as, dance on? With, I don't think you're trying vampires. to get your dance on. I think you are, again, trying, okay, trying to get playing my, the Jewish card, being a, an on. aggressive Jesus. prick in the American South. I was not being And not finding prick. a welcome audience I for your act. I to run across a, a, a coked-up southern restaurant manager. And as we all know, that's a dangerous combination. It was, it was uh, yeah, it was bad news. You were you were trying to help all of us. I was out. trying to I was trying to get trying to uh, the nomads into into a bar after hours, and uh, I ran afoul of uh, just uh, a real, uh, well, a, a real dipshit. <laughs> what? Well, what happened? Basically, we were at one place. And right. it closed at 2 a.m. And right. so we, there was a place that we were going to after hours that we would go and hang out at. And right. so we all started to walk over that way. And everybody who was at this bar that we were at decided, oh, they're all going over there. Let's go over there too. So what was going to be a group of about 10 of us going into this place after hours ended up being a group of about 60 people. And, right. you know, we see as we turn the corner, we see the guy who's going to let us in basically, who's the manager of this bar. His eyes go wide as he realizes, Oh God, I'm going to lose my liquor license because I'm open past 2 a.m. with like 60 people in my bar. So he doesn't let anybody in. And that's when Greg goes to the front and he's just like, 
I mean, you know these guys, you know, you know these 10 or 15, just let them in and, you know, forget everybody else. And I don't know what happened, but you went inside and you were the only and one then who went I inside. Flew then, outside. And then flew outside. Yeah, <laughs> you went inside slowly and you came out really quickly. I walked in the door and then you just hold on the outside and then the window explodes and I'm uh, flying out. I had never seen anybody shoved against a parking meter before. It was pretty good. Um, yeah. And I was just like smashing this guy's face in just just <laughs> pummeling him to actually none of that happened. literally twice your size the uh he was he was huge uh the 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 cool thing about it was going back to the hilton and by this point i i guess the my page boys had already preceded me because everyone in the the lot what is a page boy like, other a than joke. a bad haircut it's a, it's a joke they they'd preceded me because uh you know Everyone already knew that this had happened somehow 45 seconds after it did. And Michael Sheen is standing there and he's like, Greg, are you all right? I, I heard that you had a bit of a kerfuffle. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh, fuck, Michael Sheen like knows about this now. And oh, God. And he was like very concerned for me. And I was just, you know, my pride was a little. Uh, Dude, you were the hero of the week. A little bruised. Yeah. The and then the rest of the production, I couldn't live down this, you know, oh, Greg, he's the asshole who. Ran afoul of a coked up dipshit restaurant manager in the deep south. It was. That was, um, that was high adventure for us. <laughs> we, all, we, all, we all got a lot of mileage out of that story. <laughs> Rob and all I these... joke about it to this day. That's not true either. <laughs> a year later, we continue to get a lot of mileage out of that story. It's a great story. Exactly. And if you're listening, uh, restaurant manager of the wine loft in downtown Baton Rouge, and yes. I know you are. <laughs> <laughs> I'm never coming back to your establishment again. <laughs> oh, yeah. So there. I know his name. I'll choose not to drop it. He was very nice to all of us while we were down there. It's, it's just Greg. Just Greg. I literally, I mean, this is, uh, I, I literally called the president of the company that owns all of those restaurants, and it is a chain. Mm-hmm. And I personally complained about this guy. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, there was no doubt. What a champ. There was no doubt there was some coke going. You know, dude was on edge the whole time we were down there. Yeah. You know? Yeah, you were buddy-buddy with him. Yeah, I know. I know. It's still it's a sore <laughs> spot in Greg and I's relationship to this day. <laughs> well, Eric immediately was like, no, 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 what happened was I get my ass thrown out of this bar <laughs> trying to get all these people in. <laughs> and then, like, you know, the next day... I was like, hey, so we're, what happened to all of you guys last night? And Eric's like, oh, we stayed there. <laughs> yeah, we went. <laughs> the train's about to make its gentle turn into the Coinga Pass. Open the door. Uh, didn't make the sound. Usually it makes that train horn sound. Um, how about when you actually arrived in Baton Rouge and checked in? Was the lobby, was the hotel lobby swarming with, uh, nomads and witnesses what how it ended up working is when we flew in i was on the same flight as tony trucks who plays who plays mary got it the nomads uh billy tangretti who plays who plays one of the nomads randall. you can take the lead randall. now i'll ask yeah. every time yeah, yeah, yeah. don't i won't assume randall, anyone randall one of the nomads and then uh valerie was supposed to be on that flight but she was actually working on a job she plays uh my mate Charlotte. Right. She was working on a job in Paris, so she flew in from Paris and was on a separate flight, so she got there a little bit later. Right. But um so it was Mary Randall and um three out of Marlene. the four American nomads. Yeah. Right. And Marlene Barnes who plays Maggie. 
and one of the from the Irish, Irish coven. coven. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we were all on the same flight together. So as soon as we were leaving LAX, we all clocked each other and kind of said, "Hey." Right. And all drove to the hotel, you know, basically in a caravan. Right. We get to the hotel, and then I. You know, I had already seen, after they had announced the casting, I had seen all the actors pretty much, so I could clock them by their faces. Right. So you end up in the lobby. And he's, and he's talking clocked in the recognized sense, not clocked in the coked-up dipshit southern, deep southern restaurant <laughs> manager sense. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Just to clarify. Yeah, but then, I mean, for, for the months that we were down there, you could never go into the lobby without seeing somebody. Right. You know? There right. was always somebody either waiting to be picked up to go to set. Right. Or hanging out down there. Right. You know? So if you ever hit a time where you're in a hotel room hanging out and you had nothing to do, go down to the lobby. It was like summer camp. It was, yeah. Did it, it start to feel like a fraternity? Yeah. A little bit, you know? Or a sorority. Wow. Well, well, yeah. Twilight being Twilight. Exactly. Um, and when you say pick, picked up to be taken to set, there are mostly two sets, which is the final snowfield set. Which was inside a giant enclosed equestrian agricultural arena. The agricultural agricultural center, arena. The Southern University Agricultural Center. Right. Um, and then the Cullen House, which was built inside Celtic a Studios stage. In Baton Rouge. Mm-hmm. Right. Those are the two sets that you worked on primarily, correct? Yeah. Yeah. More, more the uh, the ag arena. Right. But yeah, the nomads were not I'll, allowed in the house very much. No, I didn't not comfortable <laughs> with the house so much. Yeah. They're unpredictable. Especially but, Peter. Oh yeah. Who fought along Jasper alongside Jasper as a newborn. Go for it. <laughs> right on, right on. Oh I know. Yeah, please. <laughs> <laughs> Greg and I could probably perform the entire we the entirety of Breaking Dawn, both parts in order without missing a beat. I don't mean to make any. I would actually see that. Extremely see jealous right now, but I last night had to watch. Uh, the, Be careful. The film. Don't worry. And I got to watch it on fast forward so that everyone was talking really fast. And it was like, <laughs> it was, and the whole movie was, you know, like an hour and 20 minutes or something like that. Right. And everybody's just talking really fast like this. And I actually, I was just like laughing hysterically. <laughs> it just brought this whole new. Joy to it, you know. Right, right. All those, all those brooding moments—they're really not that long anymore. No, people brood, but like that, from beat to beat. Hey, there was a question today, or I think MTV.com published today that part two is 115 minutes long. Is that true or not true? Um, or let me ask that in another way. I always have a hard time with this. How long is Breaking Dawn Part Two? We've already, Bill's already said so in an interview. Hold on, I'll tell you in one second. My point is that whatever the runtime is, it's never long enough for the Twihard fandom. So the same movie at twice the, played at twice the speed, half the runtime, not acceptable. I'll just wait for you. Hold on. Oh, he's going to get dead. Dead air. He's accessing. Hold on, I wanna, I wanna get the, the last thing. Dead. Air. Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. Eric, apropos of nothing. Apropos of nothing, Eric. Shoot. How much or how much or how little? (laughs) Hold on, hold on. It's literally coming up right now. Uh, it is 
Yeah, one hour and 55 minutes long. I including said. closing titles, yeah, including the, everything. Yeah, including end crawl, which is end, the end credits, which are quite long in this film. Yes. It's one hour and 55 minutes. Yes, so that is... Uh, MTV.com is inaccurate. What did they say? One, 115 minutes. No, that would be that accurate. Was the same would thing. that be accurate? One hour that is, that's actually the same thing, yeah. Exactly. How long is two hours? It's 120. A, the movie is an hour and go. 15 minutes long. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what don't you understand about this? <laughs> Actually, I think you could probably make a lot of structural comparisons from Breaking Dawn to to the Care Bear, <laughs> to the Care Bear movie. They're assembling the Care Bears from around the globe, each with their own powers. <laughs> they face off against the Volturi. <laughs> Eric, how much or how little um, Peter and Charlotte fanfic uh, have you taken the time to read and experience and can you describe any and all physiological and psychological emotional reactions that you may have had during same go all right um actually a a, a fair amount of it there's a lot of peter for charlotte fan fiction and it's all uh pornographic correct some of it some or all eric uh, I would say a, a good portion. No one's really sitting out there writing fanfic where Peter and Charlotte stop by um, Safeway to pick up a chicken because they're feeling too lazy to I think I read, take one down and I read inside Farmer Johnson's field. Yeah, I read that. There's a little bit of that going. No, there's, there's a lot of that. And then truthfully, I mean, Peter gets passed around with a lot of the other female vamps in the series. Really? Oh, there's a lot of crossover. There's a lot of Peter Bella stuff. Is that what you call it? Crossover? Peter Bella mm-hmm. stuff? Mm-hmm. A lot but of fan fiction. What, don't the fans care that she's meant to be, you know, totally in love with Edward for all time? Some, some don't. Some are like, some go, no, that's, that's not, I'm not feeling go that. all around. Huh. Can yeah. you list all the, can you list all the, uh, all of Peter's mates? Oh, there's, <laughs> there's Peter Alice stuff. Peter there's and Alice. Peter Bella Hooking stuff. up with Jasper's mate. There's I think That's I remember reading nice. Peter Esme stuff, but I can't remember. But, Peter Esme. Yeah. Well, we have that in the film too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cover all sorts of stuff. No, there's. A, I mean, there's a ton of it, and it is. It is. Some of it is just straightforward fan fiction, but a lot of the other stuff delves into some specific areas. Interesting. You know? Yeah. Such as. Well, there's some filthy, filthy stuff. <laughs> I mean, filthy. Yeah. I don't know how uh, how deep into it you want to go, but it's... Um... So fucking... Yeah, exactly. There, there you go. Um, this is, is there this any is Peter Greg Yolen fan fiction? I think there actually is. Yeah. Yeah, there's some that popped up. You read it, didn't you? Everybody wants to get with Jimmy Neutron. Yeah. After, uh, after the, you know... My my several cameos in BD two, it's it's gonna go berserker for me. <laughs> well, there's fake Greg Yolen Twitter accounts out there. I think there are. I think they were. No, I think Jack set them up. I set them all up. <laughs> yeah. There was a f- and you know that I I fake can't Bill be Condon a Twitter account that popped up like a mushroom after a uh, spring rain that I took out. Yeah, I got smacked in about down like real one quick. hour. Yeah. yeah. I don't know who it was, but it's like how lame are you? And it, the account just folded instantly. The real Such is the power 
of my wrath. Heavy is the head that weighs the fucking crown. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So more in Baton Rouge, what was it like standing around breathing that fake snow for months at a time? Obviously, there's there are great chunks that we can't talk about, but most of your time was either spent at craft service, trying not to eat. I mean, it's it's a lot of time on that field where I mean, the the fun part about it is watching getting punch drunk. Yeah, right. Watching like Michael Sheen, you know, watching Aro give these speeches. Right. You know, I mean, it, it it's the stuff from the end of the book. You know, it's these speeches going back and forth. It's Carlisle going. It's like you're watching these guys. Go at each other, you know, basically have these speeches where they're just going off. And so, I mean, with, with a guy like Michael Sheen, it's just fun to watch him go, you know? Well, he and is, uh, he's awesome. He's such a, he's such a theatrical per- performer in this role. He really takes this great, uh, and clearly I think took some, you know, relish having this sort of, uh, these flourishes, these big theatrical flourishes. Cause I, in this part of the book, there is a sort of performance to what he's doing. Yeah. I think he really, liked that and was aware of that and and it was it was so much fun to watch him do it and what was very cool too i remember was he would say to bill um you know i have two ways that i'm going to do this and he'd like thought through you know each of these different different ways and they were completely divergent and each of them great uh and he would do you know he would do one of each of them as you're getting you know wider coverage closer coverage but he did them perfectly you know to match and yet there were two completely different routes that you could take for, for this segment. Um, wow. Which was really, you know, amazing. And actually, I remember saying to Bill, like, oh, I thought number two was, you know, by far, you know, that's the one I would go for. And he was like, no, 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 it's number one. You know, and it's like, well, yeah, there you go. But either one of them could have been great. Yeah. And now at the end of it with the movie finished and on its way mm-hmm. literally we're recording this a day or 30 days from the release of the movie worldwide which of those two choices not not specifically obviously but having gone through the entire editorial process post-production process which of the two choices made it in the one that you favored or oh, the, no, one no, that bill favored? the one that bill did i mean bill right. as a director i think doesn't he knew right on set yeah because sometimes it flips an editorial sure Sometimes there's a, a discovery in editorial, but I, I think that he specifically, that Bill really won't, you know, finish a scene on set until he knows that he has the pieces that he wants to put it together in the way that he's envisioned it. Right. And so when Sheen gave him, you know, this one thing, he was like, oh, I'll take that piece and I'll do this and I'll do that. And right. had already sort of planned that out. So he, uh, you know, Sheen gave him a great option, but I think that this one hit the nail on the head for him. Did you find... um We've, I think we can talk about this, so I'll just wait in. But uh, both Greg and I have watched, have started to look at materials that will be included on the Blu-ray and DVD There's release. There's Peter fan fiction on the DVD. Yeah, all, all brought to life by puppets. <laughs> um, like Team America. <laughs> and uh, obviously this section is covered extensively. And you have a lot of people talking about how sort of unbelievably uh, monotonous it got and sort of claustrophobic and weird spending all the, all that time indoors with, uh, with all that paper 
I guess is what a lot paper. of the yeah. a lot of the fake snow was was paper. All of it. Um, did you find yourself going stir crazy as well? I was lucky because the first unit photography, and I'm strictly first unit. Um, hey, yo. <laughs> that was that was actually pretty brief. I think that was something like eight days uh, where Bill and I had to be there. Um, and then there was a lot of second unit photography, like 30 yeah. days or something yeah, there like was a that. Ton of second unit so stuff. we kind of did our piece and got out. I didn't really have a chance to get stir crazy in there. Uh, I was very right. fortunate, but I think that when you do see these, I mean, in, in going back and reviewing this, this, you know, material that we've just now seen for the DVDs, uh, and seeing the interviews with, with you guys and with, you know, uh, the people who were on that field for 30 days, um, it's, it's pretty awful. And they, you know, they talk about the sort of sensory deprivation of it, which I can yeah. totally understand because it was just, you know, a green screen on all sides yeah. and white paper snow. So you're, you know, wearing a paper mask and, you know, looking at nothing but bright neon green all day. Yeah. Yeah. It was, we should go crazy. It was a, it was, it was a weird experience. Surreal. Yeah. Surreal. Surreal is a better word. We should point out that, uh, for listeners who are sort of less knowledgeable in the ways of big event movie making that there's always a second unit and the second unit is always off executing what has been what used to be sort of meticulously storyboarded by the director and uh, of late has become meticulously animaticized. I guess now animatics are done routinely. Mm -hmm. We looked at a lot of the stuff for the um, Prometheus Blu-ray and I couldn't believe the scenes that were, that had been given the animatic treatment by like Ridley Scott. It's sort of like, okay, so this is how they're going to enter the, uh, the engineers, whatever they call that. I should really know, but whatever they call that sort of navigation, navigation chamber where the space jockey chair comes up out of the floor. It's like getting the characters entering the set up onto the raised section of the set. And then just walking over to sort of see the one engineer who's, uh, Kind of looks like my uncle. Who's in a cocoon. Yeah, but a lot, yeah, still alive, but in hypersleep or whatever. It's sort of like, wow, that's such a simple thing cinematically to, to just get a group of people to make an entrance into a set and then get them up and get them where you need to be for that next hit of action. But even that had all been sort of meticulously rendered and yeah, like every camera angle had presumably and in the been words tried of Sir out. Ridley, and, who needs a script when you have animatics? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we had, did you listen to the, no, you didn't, uh, the Charlie de Las Rica podcast? No, I really want to though. Well, the only time it was interesting, the, the only time that he and I sort of, uh, it wasn't even like a disagreement or whatever, but it was like, I, I characterize Ridley Scott as this incredible visionary visual director who is less, seems to me to be less interested in script. And he was like, no, no, no. Ridley's process with script is, is unbelievably, um, punishing, you know? And in the day, yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> I felt punished. Well, I've no doubt that that's, I've no doubt that that's true, but it, it's interesting. Like in the, in the days afterward, as Eric, as I would be like coming down Runyon Canyon or whatever, and you know, a thousand thoughts would be going through your head and you'd be 
considering things that you've heard of over the last few days, it's like, really? Legend? <laughs> Which has a horrible script. Yeah. It's like, so is that one that just got away or? I don't know. It's Robin interesting. Hood. Does Robin Hood have a bad script? Yes. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe his process is is incredibly exhaustive, but it's not. I mean, how do you say it? He's just not oriented toward that. It's like Tim Burton. At a certain point, you can say, like, of a lot of these guys, it's like, well, they're they're less interested in script than they are in the visuals. But the other thing that you can say is they're less talented with script. They're, they don't. That's not their talent. I would, I would like to think that Ridley Scott is more script oriented than Tim fucking Burton at this point. Who saw Dark Shadows? Who just saw Dark just Shadows saw Dark and Sh- liked it? You oh, did, right? I know. I, I saw Dark Shadows. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know Reiki? I uh, I did not. No, I did not like it. I thought that it opened really strong. I thought there were some amazing visuals. Right. And um, and finally, I just sort of didn't care. Care. But yeah. but I you know uh, Bill among other people who have uh, Bill affinity for the source material yeah obsessed with that liked, soap liked opera and enjoyed it and maybe you know I could see uh, my outsider status being hmm. important to the fact that I really started I I started ironing shirts about forty five minutes into that movie you're kidding really no I literally like, ironing I, I shirts was like you know what I got a what gotta shirts do you own that you actually iron well I'm wearing a t shirt right now and I it's been to, well ironed I can tell it's an ironed t shirt um, <laughs> I was like well I have ironing to do I have to yeah, do my ironing became an efficient use of time well, yeah <laughs> a little overlap I didn't miss any plot. Let's just put it that way. I bought an ironing board about like three months ago and an iron and was like fully intending on ironing all my clothes, but now I'm too afraid because I don't know how to. So I have you. I haven't done like a test shirt yet. You know what I mean? You and I will get real drunk and just fucking iron. iron. Oh, dude, that sounds sounds awesome. (laughs) Like a couple of men doing what bros do. Um, what are you doing Saturday night? This coming Saturday night? Yeah. I feel like I have something, but uh, why? Well, you look what are, what, you what are you doing Saturday night, Cohen? How about Universal Halloween Horror Nights? Oh, that does sound very interesting. Oh, you did it already? Oh, I have... Silent uh, Hill Maze. I have some people coming over for dinner. Walking Dead Maze. But maybe I'll just um, We're gonna murder go up them late. and go to Halloween Horror Nights. We're going to go up late because Saturday night, Eric Odom's opening play opens. What? Ooh. But at five, so five o'clock because they have another show. Yeah, so we're gonna yeah. we're gonna go up to Universal late. This has become our our uh, Halloween tradition. Universal Halloween Horror Nights with uh, I don't mind saying VIP front of line passes. What? Ha- it is so choice. If you have the means, I highly, <laughs> I recommend, highly recommend picking <laughs> one up. Um, Eric, why don't you talk a little about your uh, about the play theatrical debut? Yeah, and your I'll Los lie. Angeles Los Angeles theatrical debut, as opposed to your Vicksburg theatrical debut. Vicksburg or Blacksburg? Blacksburg. It's been it's been a while. Yeah, is this? In, I've I've read good things about this. Is the foolish molar, and I believe you play a gumdrop. Is that? <laughs> I'm, I'm really excited. It was hard to move around in the uh, the wardrobe, mm. but once you get used to it, you really go with it. <laughs> no, it's um. It's this theater company, Rogue Machine. 
And they've been in L.A. only about... Road Machine? Rogue. Rogue, Rogue Machine. Rogue, Rogue machine. machine, yeah. They've been out for about five years now. They're, they're relatively new in right. L.A. But um, a small theater and just really, really it's good shows. It's a 40, 45-seater. Yeah. It was all the small stages. Yeah, they have a bigger right. stage. Oh, is that so? Yeah. How many stages stage. total? Two? Two. Okay. Yeah, so they have a bigger stage. Right now there's a show going on over there called Three Views of the Same Object that... Critics really like it. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. Wasn't that yeah. a trend with this theater company as far as the they've, local press is concerned? They've built a really, really, much really admired. good... Yeah, they built a, they've built a really good reputation. They had a show there last year called Small Engine Repairs that was directed by uh, this theater director, Joe Bonney, that's a pretty big deal, and John Bernthal from The Walking Dead was in it. And huh. that show, I think, swept the Ovation Awards last year for small... for. Um, the small theater category. Right. So the should I mean, everything they do there is all pretty well reviewed and it's a, um, it's a good little spot. The artistic director is this guy named John Perrin Flynn, who's, you know, been doing it forever. And the show that I'm in is called a bright new Boise. It was an OB winner, uh, OB award winner from last year. The OB award being like the off Broadway Tony basically. Right. Yeah. From so, 2011, 2011. So it's a relatively new show. Um, talk a little bit about what the, what the play is. The play is, it's a bright new Boise. It's about a father who abandons his son right. in Idaho and he goes up and he joins a cult up in Northern Idaho and then the cult disbands and after many, many, many years and this guy's kind of lost his way. And so he comes back down to Boise to reunite with his son who's now 17 Right. And they get a job in the same store. Which is a real store in Boise called, get ready for this, Greg Yolen. It's called the Hobby Lobby. The Hobby Lobby. The Hobby Lobby. And it's actually, and not there's, the, right? Isn't it just Hobby Lobby? It's Hobby Lobby, yeah. It's not the, it's not the International it's House Lobby. of Pancakes. No, it's, it's not the Hobby, Hobby Lobby. Yeah. It's actually a huge chain. It was did relatively they, did we just hear they've the, opened a location here in California? I think it's been open for a little bit. Down in Orange County? Maybe? Um, I think it's maybe like Long Beach. Okay. Yeah. So they were just in the Midwest and now they've blown up and they're, they're expanding to both of the coasts and it's, you know, it's like Michael's on steroids basically. Let me ask you this. <laughs> let me ask you this, Eric Odom. Mm -hmm. Why haven't you visited the Hobby Lobby? To, I've been down there. Have you? Yeah. You went and did your research? We field tripped down there. Really? Yeah. Did you? You got to check it out. It's actually, What's up? it's high five. The, um, the religion cult aspect of the play is is a recurring thing, right? So I mean, the, the reason that Hobby Lobby is what's used, and you know, I mean, among other things, of being in Idaho, is it is a Christian company. Okay, and like Chick Fil A, they are, they are closed on Sundays. Like Chick Fil A, yeah, exactly. And I'm sure they give money to anti-gay groups, like Chick Fil A used to. Yeah, so it's um. I mean, that's the reason they picked it, and that's kind of why it makes sense as a backdrop, because um, the entire play either takes place in the break room of the Hobby Lobby or out in the parking lot. Yeah, all the events that Eric has described, having read the play, all the events that Eric has described in terms of this father having joined this cult, it's all, you receive all that information from inside the universe of Hobby Lobby once this guy sort of enters and gets a job. Yeah. Gets a job in the in the same retail outlet as his son is working, which son. is sort of the end of the first act reveal is yes, Luke, I am your father. Well, as he takes I mean, his that's, purple that's, apron off or I mean, whatever, that's revealed right? In like the first five minutes of the show, 
I mean, that's oh, it. really? it's not the big first act reveal, but it's like the whole, I mean, it touches on a lot of stuff uh, as far as like religion and consumerism and all that stuff. But at, at its core, it's this father son story. Just, just like Prometheus. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so it's this broken relationship. Do you want to talk about the audition process or would you rather not? No, I mean, not, okay. not a whole lot to it. Right. Okay. Yeah. You had a very good audition. There and you were like, I am Peter. I am yeah. Peter from Twilight Saga Breaking Dawn Part 2. Kick, kick <laughs> I am Peter. I have 17,000 followers on Twitter. Yeah, now, do you I'll want them to know Lord. about this production or not? What? What? <laughs> that would have been your approach to try and get the role. Yeah, yeah. And then suddenly, and then I just you're meeting another parking up. meter. <laughs> the parking meters in Baton Rouge are hard. Yeah. <laughs> that meter didn't move. It's a hard parking meter. Um, how long have you been rehearsing? It's been about five weeks. Right. Yeah. Going well? Going well, yeah. Opens on Saturday. It's an eight-week run. Saturday, right. Sunday, Monday. Technically, shows. you're in previews now. Uh, previews start tomorrow, yeah. Tomorrow, Wednesday. Wednesday, yeah. And where is the theater? It's down on La Brea and Pico. Mm-hmm. So kind of, kind of centrally located, a little bit south. But, um, and yeah, then it opens so- Saturday and runs to through... It runs through December 9th. Right, okay. Yeah, with a possible extension. I mean, who knows? But right. we'll wait and get through the first eight weeks first and see what happens. There was actually a benefit over there uh, a couple weeks ago with Mia Maestro from Carmen from Twilight. Right. So they did a little fundraiser over there, so it was nice to see her. But, it's, I mean, it's a good little theater company, you know? Right. In L.A., which is not... You know, not LA a theater not town. Not a theater town at all. Right, despite uh, the... Uh the fact that we have, you know, one non-working actor for every six <laughs> yeah. people who, you know, anyway. Yeah, but they spend all their time at the gym. And Starbucks. Um, gym and Starbucks. This one certainly spends all his time at the gym. Um, the performances are when? The performances will be Saturdays at 5 p.m., Sundays at 7 p.m., and Mondays at 8 p.m. And right. so it's a little bit of an unorthodox schedule because usually theaters are dark on Monday. Right. But they found that they get good turnouts on Monday night, I guess, because most other theaters aren't going, you know. And this will be super interesting for you to have this happening literally, not just as the release of this movie approaches, but then as as Tent City, which is now being called Fan Camp, goes up, you'll be performing the entire weekend that all these Twihards are in town. Yeah, there was a performance set for the night of the premiere that they canceled. You know, so I could be a part of the show. Cause in the play, the, the character name is Alex. A 17 year old, yeah. Yeah. I can see it. So. Look at the haircut. It's true. Harumph. <laughs> yeah. So. You look like a child. A little. You look, child. you look like a fetus. <laughs> <laughs> in the nicest way possible, I mean that. <laughs> Um, no, it's nice because it's like, you know, I've got my mom coming out for the premiere. Right. You know, the the big Twihard. John L. Yeah. So John she's L. Coming Odom. Out. She's coming out for the premiere, so it's nice. She'll get to see the play. Right. Over the weekend that she's here and then come to the premiere on that Monday. So it ends up working right. out really well. It's perfect. Yeah. It's awesome. I, I love the contrast between you, your first movie thing being, you know, a named character and a giant nuclear aircraft carrier of a franchise and yet simultaneously you're um 
you have a very juicy part and an award-winning play it's running nice. simultaneously for what you're being paid literally $11 a performance. It's Perhaps uh, I shouldn't have revealed that in case uh, the IRS is listening, but it, it's an 11 <laughs> it's 11 bucks a performance, it's, right? Uh, it's not much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do you know what or like you, are you aware as you're in the part as you're working your way through the play like when you get to, get to the halfway mark you're like Wow, yeah, I really feel like I've earned that five dollars and fifty cents in the first half. Intermission. <laughs> really, I really went for you it. You go there. into the lobby and buy yourself a beer, and it's six fifty, and you're like, ah. Oh, <laughs> that's awesome. No, it's great. It's an awesome, awesome contrast. That's that's incredible. Um, so, what was last Friday like for you to have was- your have your art revealed? on all the uh, Twilight fan sites, including the official Facebook page with, I think, like 36 or 37 million friends now? Well, it was uh, it was cool, and I think it was different than for a lot of other people because a lot of that art got released all at the same time. At Comic-Con in a, in a big dump on yeah. Friday, the day after the panel at Comic-Con, suddenly they were dumping out but the nomads, all this new artwork. The, the nomads were not released, so, I mean, that Friday, that's the first time I saw it. Right. You know? Right. Since it had been taken way back when. Right. You know, which was a long, 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 long time ago. Greg Yolen, when he saw it, thought it was the best of the bunch that's been Absolutely. released th- released thus far anyway, and I have to agree. Yeah, it looks great. I thought was, you were menacing. Yeah, it's very vampire nasty looking. Um, and uh, with, with no offense to anybody else, a lot of them look like... Uh, nice people with red eyes but you looked pretty nasty yeah i thought it was which is in keeping with how you how you appear in the movie i mean the whole thing so it's great yeah i mean and how you're described by bella in the movie yeah like leans right into this presentation so he's a roughneck yeah it's Mm -hmm. awesome so yeah the response has been overwhelmingly positive yeah which is good that's that's so good dude yeah and the interview turned out turned out really well you know they had us do the uh, conference call with a, right, with with a lot all of the fan, so-called and, fan site ops. I mean, they're 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 great, and they made it so easy. And you know, I know a lot of them at this point, so there's already a familiarity there and a comfort there. Right. Yeah, it was great. And a big shout out to Amanda Bell, who's sort of been a she was an early fan, right? Yeah, she was. Who uh, actually ended up getting to do the um, the interview. Yeah, it worked out really nicely, and to get to see all of them next month too. I mean, that'll be cool. It's all gearing it's up like again. It's like family reunion from last year. It's starting. I mean, basically from Comic-Con on, it's been building a head of steam going into next month's insanity. Exactly. Um, I posted to your wall what Bill said when I showed him the artwork, which was not meant to be taken any other way, by the way. Our friend Adam Cook was like, well, what Bill said was like, wow, this is that's that's like amazing and no matter what happens from here on out like he'll always be that one thing in this franchise you know it's great it's i mean it's and adam was like is he saying that there's not going to be anything else yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's You'll like always only be this one thing you will all only ever be Chekhov. And then four four people will be or like, a red oh, he shirt was Alex from in the Star Hobby Lobby. Trek. <laughs> <laughs> like, he was Alex. I remember him from that. <laughs> On your gravestone. Um, about an hour before you guys turned up, I tweeted that uh, we were all podcasting, and I solicited questions. 
And um, so we should answer a few of those now. And believe it or not, Craig, you'll and the first one comes to you. You're kidding me. Uh, yeah. Failed it. Did you ready? You, you mentioned me on the Twitter? Yeah. Oh, all right. Yeah. What do you know about Twitter? I, I, I know enough to use a definite article in front of it. I think, <laughs> I think it's the Twitter. <laughs> all right. Ready? Yeah. This will be fun, too, especially in light of uh, current events, shall we say. Oh, no. Ready? Yeah. Eric Odom. Yeah. Watch Greg Yolen navigate this one. Oh. Um, Kathleen, our Team Jack lady, Kathleen Vorndam, uh, so excited that you're back. Dying to hear what you thought of the Lincoln trailer. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm pumped for Lincoln. I'm pumped for it. Uh, I thought his beard looked terrific. Clearly, he's grown his own, and that is important. It Do you think not, he grew his own? It does not look like gods and generals or tombstone or something like that with those, you know, right. fake, fake beards and mustaches. Right. Um, the performance is meant to be unfucking believable according to everyone who's seen it so far. It's meant to be I incredible. Wait. I can't wait. Um, you know, I, uh, I, I would love to see some some atmosphere that uh in terms of just the look of the film that isn't pure Janusz Kaminski. Yeah. Um and and it looked a little uh it looked a little darker and grayer um and sort of more atmospheric than It's the uh, first time Steven Warhol's. Spielberg's done the Civil War. It is. Which is interesting. Um in a very long career he's never touched that milieu. Yeah. So no, I mean see yeah. how it compares I for instance with Anthony Miguel's Cold Mountain during the uh the first debate was uh, was really terrific as well, which was a whole two minute spot. That which, by the way, like almost none of us, I think I was paying attention, but nobody else was because everyone was already throwing themselves onto the fire. I think I was puking blood at that downstairs. Point. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me, I have to go to the bathroom. And, oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> I came back and Jack was like, "You missed the Lincoln teaser." <laughs> um, you Hollywood liberal. Yeah. No. I. Uh, I'm, yeah, it uh, looks like good stuff. I'm excited. DDL, SS. Together for the first time. Yeah. Which yeah. is also interesting. Um, and, uh, and uh, I mean, for years, you know, this was in development. Better than Tom Cruise playing Lincoln for Steven Spielberg, which could have happened 10 years ago. It, absolutely. Or Tom Hanks. Uh, it was going to be Liam Neeson for a really long time. Forever. Forever and ever. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, Ironically, he left to go play William Henry Harrison in uh, another presidential biopic. Is that true? No. <laughs> Who's William Henry Harrison? William Henry Harrison is, he a president? Is, is the president who died in 30 days. He oh, caught really? a cold at his own inauguration, and then he died. <laughs> I love it when Eric is so thoroughly entertained by Greg Yellen's shenanigans. It's worth it just off. to watch the expression on your face. Neeson is... Harrison. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, what else do we got? One for Odom. Let's go. Allison Smith, of course. Okay. Allison. What's up, Allison? Uh, wants to know. <laughs> What's up, Allison? Where, you doing? You where doing, and girl? how she can get her hands on Eric Odom's poster. I'll take it. Here's the thing we have to explain to all the Twihards. I think this got started with an Entertainment Weekly characterization at Comic-Con when they unleashed all of that uh, witness art. 
Entertainment EW.com called them posters. They are not posters. They will never be printed on paper. You will never see them hung in a poster case in a multiplex lobby. Never! <laughs> so, unfortunately, how do you get your hands on Eric Odom's poster? Uh, you download it. Blow it up. Yeah, save the JPEG, take it to a printer, and have and make your own. Exactly. Kinkos, thanks. You. Um, Twilight Lexicon, who we love and adore, wants to know what you what you enjoy more or better. I think it's a little premature for this question, but yeah. go ahead. <laughs> Film work or stage work? Well, it's it's weird. It's a different beast because I mean, with like Twilight, for example the finished product is so different than what your experience on set is. So you, you do your thing while you're there, but you're one tool within like many, 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 many steps of the process. So the end product ends up being this new, exciting, different thing that has elements of what you did there, you know, right. and hopefully the stuff that you're trying to do, you're cognizant of that and it becomes this cohesive whole. Whereas right. with stage work, it's, there's a lot more responsibility on the actor to kind of tell the story, you know? Right. There's little things that help as far as lighting and production design and all of that. But at the end of the day, it's an audience sitting there and an actor telling the story. Right. Whereas with film, it's more of the actor is one of the tools of the director and the producer to tell the story. Right. It's different. I mean, there, there's both, there, there's pros and cons to each of them. And which do you like more? He likes, he likes, uh, he likes the work that pays better. That would be uh, motion pictures. Well, I mean, I, I moved out to L.A. because I love movies. Movies. You, know, you and move out because, I mean, movies create this magic that I don't think anything else. Well, you grew up on movies. Match. You didn't grow up on theater. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't grow up on theater, did you, much, Yolan? I mean, Condon grew up. I think it was probably a 50-50 split. Hence, I, I was Dream Girls in Chicago. Uh, to high levels of theater when I was young. But it did, it didn't make you want to pursue Nothing. a career in the Indiana theater. Jones and the Last Crusade. There you go. Which I just watched on Blu-ray for the first time. And, two days ago and it looked beautiful. It's a great movie. It really is. It's a great movie. Um, next one for Odom. Or no, here's one for uh, I can answer it for me, and it's, it's for everyone else, including Matt Cohen. Well, we see all of you. At TwyCon, also known as TwyTour, also known as the allegedly final Twilight, official Twilight convention put on by Creation in Burbank. Yeah, well, I'm not appearing as a guest, but I'll, I'll be there. Uh, I think that would be hassle-tastic, so no, we will not be podcasting live from TwyTour. Greg Yellen? I, uh, when is it? It's the same weekend as the Junket, as always. Oh, then so no. you'll be uh, yeah, no. minding Bill Condon yeah, at the junket. Working. You'll be at the junket, Cohen? Yeah, I'll right. be holed up in a room at the Four Seasons Hotel, eating shrimp cocktail, and moving Argentinian reporters. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, Eric, you may bomb over there with me, right? We'll I might, see. I might not. Not sure. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Eric's, Eric's not a paid I'll be, guest. I'll be performing that weekend. I don't know that I will. That is true. Yeah, I don't no, think you'll it. be on stage. I will more I than likely not be there. I think I have a thing that night. 
I'll check my calendar, but I can't do that on my iPhone because <laughs> I dropped it and I have to take it for repair at China. <laughs> Tash Palo wants to know, how's Eric feeling about his big screen debut now that it's only a month away? Can't wait. Dying. Ready dying for the premiere, dying for your big screen debut inside Just the Nokia. That movie is going to play in the Nokia. Careful. So it's going to be amazing. It's going like, to be the fans are going to lose a their revival. And there's, I mean, it was the same thing with part one last year. Yep. You know, there's an electricity there that it, when you have that big a theater packed with that many people who are that enthusiastic about it, they lose their minds and you can't. I mean, during the premiere last year, I got goosebumps probably like 12 times yeah. over the course of that movie. And it's going to be, I think even more so this year. It's going to be amazing. Um, Susie Akers wants to know what the hardest part of preparing to be a vampire was for you. And also the most rewarding part. And she is getting old. We know. I'm characterizing her tweet. <laughs> Susie Akers. Love you. Hardest part, most rewarding part. Um, I would say, well, I'll start. I mean, the most rewarding part was probably the first time all decked out. You in know, costume and makeup, wardrobe and makeup with your contact and, lenses you know, in you pop the contacts in you, your you red contacts it. yeah you catch a glimpse of it and you go oh all right game on right you know right. lose your mind a little bit so, right um the hardest part i think the hardest part was trying to go back and with with the scenes that i had fill it up with as much as possible because, I mean, there are so many, there's a lot of new vampires in this movie. Right. And so, you know, you, you have your moments and you're sharing the screen with all these other people. You try to make as much of it as, you try to fill it up as much as you can. Right. You know, so it was trying to maximize those beats without going overboard, you know. Totally. Totally. Totally, Eric. Oh, yeah. Um, Debbie Prince wants to know, uh, what's number one on your bucket list? Yolan, why don't you go first? My bucket list? Yeah. Um, well, I'd have to say really looking forward to Lincoln. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> um, number one on my bucket list, like what to do before I die? Um, I, I don't, I don't know. I'd love to, you know what? I, I'd love to get a dog. Like a real, like a, like a, a really nice big dog. Really? Yeah. I think that's a couple years off for you. Yeah. Since you're going to be spending the next two years not in this country. Well, but if the world is going to end on December 21st, 2012. And is it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you guys. Foregone conclusion. Which is why, frankly, uh, I think that Summit Lionsgate has chosen the perfect release date yeah. for <laughs> Twilight Saga Breaking Dawn Part 2. You'll have over a month to, to see, see it. it as many times as you want before the four horsemen gallop, gallop along and the Mayan calendar ends. Isn't it interesting that we are so near that time and nobody um, talks about that? Is it because it's everything is overshadowed by Wait, the presidential election? The premiere? The, or no, the, the December 21st. 
No. The the whole Mayan thing. No. Nobody cares. People get, but people people were talking about that a lot two years ago. Yeah. Oh the Mayan and now it's just sort of gone quiet. Well after Roland Emmerich's twenty twenty twelve. It's really the last I think people, what else needs to be people said were sort or, of like, all right, all right. So if, even if that happens, John Cusack's going to survive. It's going to be fine. And I think a lot of the hysteria sort of subsided. After people that. took comfort in that. They took comfort in that. That's film. what they needed at that time. The whole third act of that film where they're like getting on the big boats, you know, right? The arcs. That's right. Again, I was ironing through hours two and three of that film. <laughs> I like that movie. I'm like, perfectly down like with that you. movie. And I love I love the arcs in that movie. And I don't I'm certainly not referring to the character arcs. Hey. Um I think that's it. What else do we have to discuss, Greg Yolen? We have many not looming much, announcements, John. but none for this show. Yeah, I mean But it's uh, exciting times uh, in the uh, a lot of things on the in Condon Works. Yeah. Yeah. It's a Condon Works. Sideshow has already been announced. That's very a exciting. A year from now. Down at La Jolla Playhouse in La Jolla, California. It's a revival of Henry Krieger and Bill Russell's Sideshow, which is a Broadway musical about the Hilton sisters, real-life Siamese twins, who appeared in Todd Browning's Freaks. Bill is, Bill is directing a reimagining of that musical. Uh, the musical is probably about 14, 15 years old, I mm-hmm, think, mm-hmm. and... Uh, about half of the original production has been pulled out and replaced by uh, all new material by Krieger and Russell um, for the stage La Jolla Playhouse where uh, Tommy, the Who's Tommy, mm-hmm. first staged, I think. Um, and then uh, it moves to Lincoln Center in Washington in the spring. The Kennedy Center. Kennedy Center. Lincoln Center. Lincoln Center is in New York. Um, yeah. Kennedy Center, spring 2014. Yes. Isn't it crazy to be talking about stuff that, that that's that far in the future? By that time, I'm definitely going to have a dog. <laughs> <laughs> so you think. Um, yeah, no, it's uh, the man is bipping and bopping around the globe right now. and um, Yeah. There are movie projects Hopefully in the offing stuff. that are yeah. seem to be landing in great places, and I'm sure we'll be breaking uh, dawn. Be breaking on deadline. <laughs> I get these calls from Bill. From it's like Jack. Oh, hey, how are you? Are you on deadline? No, I'm not on deadline. Go on there. there. Go on there. What is it? <laughs> and then, like something you've just talked about on the phone at four o'clock yesterday afternoon is suddenly on there, it's completely intact, like every detail, like transcript. completely intact, <laughs> yeah, by Mike Fleming, who, by the way, lives on the East Coast, and it's like, so, if it's 4.15 in the afternoon, his time, he got that this morning, which is two hours ago here, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah. it's unbelievable. Get so. some sleep, Mike. Get some sleep, Mike Fleming, yeah. You look tired. Um... Maybe. I think we hit all the beats with Eric Odom for episode 48. Eric Odom, episode 49 is going to be Kenny Warmald. Eric Odom in the return of Greg Yolen. Yeah, <laughs> that's a that's a 
How about the assassination of Greg Yolan by by the coward Eric Oda? The coward Eric Oda. <laughs> Dude, that's that that is your title right there. I'm glad we finally arrived at that point. Or should we flip flop? It should it be the assassination of Eric Odom by the coward Greg Yolan. <laughs> that would be pretty. Let's see the I don't know. Why don't we call it I like the assassination the of Eric Odom by the coward Greg Yolan by the assassination of Eric Odom by the coward. Wait, no, I just did it. Cohen's <laughs> like, no. Cohen's like, don't make me do that. I'd have to type that whole thing out twice. <laughs> <laughs> um, Greg Yolen, you're on Facebook, but you're not welcoming anybody. You're on Twitter, and you never use it. Eric Odom, you have two Facebook pages. One of them is personal, and you're not getting in that. And the other I one is one a, fan page. <laughs> and the other one is a fan page. Do you have the URL? Um, is it facebook.com no. slash Eric Odom? Let's look up Eric Odom. It'll come up. Yeah. Don't forget first... to mention that I also have a front door and I keep it locked. <laughs> <laughs> and now a wife. <laughs> I do. Yeah. What's up? Congratulations. Got to protect man. her. Congratulations protect her on her. All y'all crazies. Um, at Camel Toad on Twitter is Matt Cohen. Matt, you have any other sites you want to pimp? On Twitter for me, Jack underscore Morrissey, two R's and two S's, team underscore Jack. Everything else in the Team Jack Empire, which includes unbelievably phenomenal illustrated episode guides, Pinterest, Tumblr, uh, and our Facebook page can be found at teamjack.com. My Twitter is at Eric Odom, right. E-R-I-K-O-D-O-M. And I think there was no a fake underscores. one around, and now it is no longer lucky, lucky. in existence. Um, the guy who got Jack Morrissey without underscores is, from what I can tell, a young Republican wonk in D.C. Who has, like, anti-Obama screeds or something like that. I sort of had a few tweets back and forth with him last week. He has, like, 13 followers. I kind of want that account. Was it your conversation to try to move him off of it? No, no. I mean, I kidded on the square. It's like, dude, how much for that Twitter handle? Yeah. I want it. I won't it, but uh, whatever. So I can't give it to you. I've got 13 people to vote for Mitt Romney. Exactly. Um, Silent Hill Revelations opens Friday in 3D. Pyramid Head is back. I think I might have to do that Friday night and then go see and then go see Pyramid Head in the Flesh at uh, Universal Studios. Got it some. might be a Silent Hill weekend for me, especially with Condon out of the country. That's so what's great, if I want to go see Silent Hill on primetime movie night, Friday night, I fucking go. I just get you to just go see do it. it. I don't get, have to go see Argo. You get in your Acura, and you drive. And I go. <laughs> yeah. I just go see Pyramid Head. Yeah. Horror Nights is always fun to watch what uh what they're promoting. You know, last year it was Silent Hill and Walking Dead. Yeah. Those those are the only two things that are being that have billboards around town now. Yeah. Last year was all about the thing remake. Yeah. Yeah. Look how well that turned out. No. Yeah. Sadly, though, Mary Elizabeth Winstead was performing at Halloween Horror Nights every night in order <laughs> to plug that movie. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, MEW. Yeah. Like MEW. We love you, Mary. I think we're out. Say goodbye, Greg, because you probably won't be back. Are you going to come back and be be around for the Kenny Warmold episode? No. Well, uh, are you going to do the uh, Kevin have, Smith episode? I have something that night. Oh, Kevin Smith's coming. No, we'll go to Kevin Smith if we can get it hooked up oh. for our 50th. Uh, sure, yeah. Yeah, that's on Matt Cohen. That's a big one. 
We'll see. We'll see. Anyway, thanks for listening, folks, and um, see you next Wednesday. Out. This has been a production of Smodco Internet Radio. Sir, only at Smodcast.com.